you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. You're listening to Fast Money in Progress. All right, time now to welcome in tonight's traders. Dan Nathan right here beside me, Karen Finnerman, Tim Seymour, and Guy Adami. Thank you all for being here. We start with a robust rebound for the markets and possibly just a hint of Santa set to rally his reindeer. This graphic's cracking me up. Rally his reindeer in the home stretch of a tough 2022. Nike powering the Dow, finishing the day up more than 12%. On the back of better than expected earnings, a host of retail names getting a bid today. From Foot Locker to Lululemon to Alton, even the pandemic darling of Etsy. Overall, the Dow closing the day up 526 points. The S&P and the Nasdaq both surging right around 1.5%, but it is worth noting the major averages are still on pace to wrap up their worst year since 2008. And now check out the VIX. Now down over 9% this week and dropping sharply from its early December peak. So with consumer confidence rising and the fear gauge falling, can investors ride this rebound through the end of the year? Dan Nathan, as I mentioned, you're right here beside yeah. me. What do you think? Well, maybe. I mean, think about Friday afternoon is going to be pretty quiet. We have Monday off on the 26th, and then we're going to have a quiet uh, late next week. So if, you know, uh, if you want to run them, have at it, people. Run, run them into the, into the end of the year. We've had a really nice rally off those mid-October lows. I'll just say this. I think very quickly, though, you know, as investors start thinking about what are the expectations for 2023 S&P earnings, they're still probably pretty high. Consensus is up about 5% year over year. And, you know, the one thing that the Fed has not really been able to really do as they're battling inflation with all of these rate increases that we've seen, you know, wage growth and, and unemployment. Wage growth is sticky and unemployment hasn't really ticked up meaningfully. But we do see other inputs going up, like crude oil has had a nice little 10 percent rally off of its recent lows. And the fact that yields have risen over the last week to me also suggests that this is going to be a tough slog. So I really believe the higher we go into year end is probably what comes back fairly quickly in the new year. I think you want to say tough sledding just to keep the Santa thing going, but I'm not going to fault you for that one. Karen, what do you think? Are we on pace for a Santa Claus rally? And by the way, we're going to talk about this with our next guest. Does it start the week before Christmas or the week after? I sort of feel like the Santa Claus rally came early this year that, you know, that run we had that ended, I don't know, 10 days ago was a really pretty significant run. So I kind of agree with Dan. I think we could levitate or, or up or down sideways for the next few days. But I don't think anything's really fundamentally changed. And I think, you know, the last message from the Fed was very hawkish. So um, I'm not that optimistic at the moment, but I'm always long regardless. All right. So some limited optimism there. Uh, Tim, I'm going to go over to you. Bond yields have risen this week, which obviously impacts technology stocks very often. Big part of the S&P. What are your thoughts? Is Santa loading up his sleigh for a big rally? Well, Frank, I think the, the Japan uh, BOJ announcement yesterday, which I, I think is very significant for the potential for yields to move higher around the world. And we've seen European sovereign yields, even before Japan made this announcement, were moving back near their highs. I, I think that the, as much as there's the struggle between the long end of the curve and, and, and when yields, yields were, were, were not just falling, but they were really plummeting here, the sense was this was a reflection of recession concerns and growth concerns going into the second part of next year for sure. I, I just think we are in a place where there's technical issues around bond markets that are going to keep yields higher than people expect. Some of this is going to also make the Fed's job 
more difficult. I, I, I just, you know, it gets back to the things that both Karen and Dan are framing here. Nothing really changes uh, as we get into next year. We have a Fed that's uh, higher for longer, still has to be very aggressive. You have uh, possibly the last central bank in the world to capitulate going through. And we had from CPI of October, which is the September CPI, to, to the December CPI, which is November's, we, we had a, a 40% rally in semis. We had a 17% rally from the, the low to the intraday highs of last Tuesday. So you had a massive rally. And, and then we actually had pulled back 7.5% from that intraday high on the CPI last Tuesday to the lows we hit on Tuesday, uh, excuse me, yeah, Tuesday, you know, mid-morning. So I think, you know, that was a big pullback. This, today's consumer confidence number, not the reason why the market rallied. I think Karen talked about and Dan talked about the VIX. Um, I think, if anything, people just square, squaring away ahead of a very quiet period volatility-wise. So, Guy, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, Nike closing 12% higher today. What do you make of it? Is this a sign that retail is about to make a big comeback? We also had FedEx results better than expected. I know you guys talked about it yesterday, but we have another day to digest it and look at the rally just for Nike alone today. Yeah, I mean, Nike, to me, it's Nike specific. I don't think it's a huge tell on the consumer. I, I think retail is challenged in certain areas. Other areas have done well for the last 18 months or so. And again, I don't want to throw cold water on today's rally. I mean, the market could clearly levitate into the end of the year. We saw it happen last year after, by the way, the Fed pivoted in November of last year. The market still behaved somewhat, um, I don't know, for me, it didn't make a lot of sense, but that's what it did towards the end of the year. So maybe we'll see it. But I will say that the higher we go into year end, I just think that means the the larger we have to fall into January, February of next year. So good numbers out of Nike, Nike specific. FedEx finally got their act together. Good for them. Uh, Boeing we'll talk about. I mean, that was obviously a driver as well. Good for them. But these are, to me, these are all sort of very stock specific things. I don't think it speaks to a broader economy that's getting better anytime soon. So, Guy, let me ask you, what's setting us up for that big fall potentially in January and February? What are you seeing? Are there any specific Earnings? risks that come up? No, I mean, listen, the, yeah, I'm not trying to cut you off. The risks are the, the, the risks we've been talking about for a while. I mean, earnings are slowing. Earnings growth are slowing. Margins continue to deteriorate. Again, my opinion. Dan just mentioned crude oil seemingly getting off the mat. That's not necessarily a good thing. It makes the Fed job more difficult. You're finally seeing analysts take down S&P 500 earnings estimates. Mike Wilson is as low as $180 a share for the S&P. I mean, you got to put a multiple on that, and that suggests the market goes lower. So, yeah, I understand people want to be optimistic. I get it. I left my pom-poms at home a long time ago. It's just the backdrop isn't all that bullish to me. Yeah, Dan, I'm going to give you the last word. Earnings estimates are coming down and margins are tightening up, but the dollars also dropped, which is a big factor weighing on that. Q4 alone, dollar down 7%. Yeah, so no doubt for U.S. multinationals, I mean, that's going to be a tailwind a little bit. It's been a huge headwind for the better part um, of this year. I think year over year, the U.S. dollar index at Dixie um, is still up, right? And so when you think about what are some of the impediments to growth, I mean, listen, look what's going on in China right now. I mean, a big narrative, a big part of the bull case for the better part of this year for people looking to kind of pick a bottom is that at some point China is going to come back online and that's going to re-stimulate the global economy. Well, that just doesn't seem to be the case. And then when you think about just like this press conference that we we're just listening to with Biden Zelensky, I mean, that war is not going to be settled anytime soon. So you have a, a Western Europe that's very likely to be in a recessionary environment for some time. And then again, if Guy's point is that, you know, all of these headwinds to U.S. corporate earnings, even with the dollar that's come off a, a bit, ultimately we 
we haven't had that reset as far as what was maybe a trough valuation. I mean, we know that we're still probably too high. Once we get a better sense, as we get into Q4 earnings in the back half of uh, January into February, I think we're going to have a better sense of where 2023 earnings bottom out. And that's when analysts can start saying, okay, I think we've discounted a lot of the headwinds that we're going to see in the first half of 2023. All right, let's bring one more voice into this conversation. Our next guest believes we're going to get a Santa Claus rally and things that could last well into January. Let's bring in Nancy Priel of Essex Investment Management. She's the firm's co-CEO and the senior portfolio manager. Nancy, thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, so Nancy, kind of spell it out for us. What's setting us up for the Santa Claus rally? And I have to ask, I'm going to ask this to everybody. Does the Santa Claus rally start in the build-up to Christmas or the week after Christmas? And what are going to be the catalyst for it once again? Right. So we think the Santa Claus rally does start right after Christmas, and it tends to be the the most dramatic period of that will be the week right after Christmas and that first week in January before we start to hear any news about the December quarter. And the catalyst is really um, the traditional end of tax loss selling, some reversion to the mean, um, and just the lack of news, which can drive the enthusiasm going into next year. So we think we will see, particularly in the small cap sectors, that we get that Santa Claus rally. What will continue it is the fact that things, we believe, things are changing. We believe that the market is coming to grips with a world that is going to be very different for the next couple of years than what we've seen for the last 10 to 12 years. And what I mean by that is a world led by industrials, a world led by manufacturing, a world led by things, as opposed to a world led by the internet, by media, by technology. So it'll be a different market, but it could be a good market. Yeah. Fun fact, if you believe the Santa Claus rally is the week before Christmas, last two years we've seen 5% in 2021, 3% in 2020, if you're a believer of that pre-Christmas Santa Claus rally. I also want to talk about the January effect. We're going to have people on Investopedia today, man. Um, what do you think setting us up for that January effect? What exactly is oversold? And then what, in your mind, is going to set things up for those stocks to no longer be oversold and lead to this January effect that we're talking about? <clears throat> So we've seen tremendous weakness in the smaller cap sectors of the market. And the small cap market, the small cap stocks, we believe are much more than adequately discounting the recession that we are in fact likely to have. Small cap stocks are not only selling at extraordinarily low absolute multiples with a multiple on the order of 11 and a half times on the Russell 2000, it's selling at a 30 year low relative to large cap stocks. We think that is way overdone, particularly in an economy, again, that will be led by the kind of factors that tend to be very favorable for small cap stocks, where the earnings growth in this sector can greatly surpass that which we will see in the larger cap sectors. Fundamentals are going to matter next year. Revenue growth is going to matter. Margins are going to matter. And making money and returning that to shareholders is going to matter. And that's all good for small caps. All right, Nancy, one last question before we let you get out of here. You're not so bullish on the S&P because of tech. You believe the valuations are still too high. A lot of people think the valuations are attractive now. There's certain parts of tech that you believe the valuations are too high because across the board, a lot of them have been basically cut in half. Well, the valuations have certainly come down dramatically from where we were. Having said that, they are still too high. I mean, we've talked about how the multiple on the S&P is still about 18 times next year's number, which may be a too high a number. We are seeing weakness broadly in tech. We've seen it in software. We're seeing it in semis. Um, And the issue we believe with tech, it's three C's. It's capital, it's competition, and it's what I would call complacency. 
The sector is overcapitalized with all of the venture capital money that's gone in there. That's led to competition, which is leading to slowing sales cycles, um, as well as um, some, some slowing because of overspending in the pandemic. And there's been complacency in these tech companies. They've had it so good for so long, they've been able to pursue growth at any cost, meaning they could spend whatever they wanted to on sales and marketing. And that complacency is coming home to roost. They need to get their fiscal balance sheet in order. And as that happens, and then as sales start to rebound, then will be the time to look for tech. All right, Nancy Priel, we appreciate the insight. Thanks for being here. Happy holidays. Thank you. All right, let's trade it. Karen, I'm going to come over to you. Uh, a lot to digest there. We talked about a lot of different things. Is there one part of what we talked about that you want to trade? Yeah, I think the part that she talked about complacency is a really good one. And I think, you know, she was saying about they've been able to just grow so easily that spending was sort of an afterthought. And we're definitely seeing that change. And so I think that's going to be a catalyst for, you know, the, the Googles of the world. Um, and if Meta makes a bigger shift even in uh, cutting spending, I think that's sort of easy money for them. So I hope we do see that. We're seeing it also Microsoft slowing uh, hiring. So I think we're going to that's going to be a potential tailwind for some of the big cap tech names that have really gotten hurt. All right, coming up next here on Fast Money, an airline topping the tape could be the quarter's best performing Dow stock. Could it fly even higher? Much, much more Fast Money coming up. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Boeing topping the tape today, soaring 4%. The CEO of Boeing's commercial division telling suppliers that the company is seeing strong signs of, quote, global market resilience and recovery, according to a memo obtained by Reuters. That stock gaining altitude this quarter, up almost 62% since October, the best-performing Dow component during that period. So how much more fuel is left in this trade? Guy Dami, I'm going to come over to you because I just dropped a bunch of puns. I know you appreciate them. Yeah, no, and you, that's beautifully done by you. Tim's been all over this, and it has rallied significantly to your point. My concern about Boeing at these levels now is valuation. And, you know, even, it, even if you give them $4 of earnings next year, which is probably somewhat generous, you're still talking about a stock trading close to 50 times earnings. Again, 
expensive. It wasn't expensive a few months ago. It's getting there now. Now, they can grow into those earnings without question. I think you have to ask yourself, is this run uh, going to sort of stall out here when we do a back and fill? I think we will. I'll say I thought we would do that about 8 or $9 ago as well in the stock. All right, Tim, you're the Boeing person in this whole situation. Been hearing a lot about Boeing today, actually. Four different variations of the MAX out there. They're really counting on sales of the MAX to boost their free cash flow targets. Going into fiscal year 2025, I heard a stat, uh, 50 million for each plane, 10 million of that is free cash flow off each sale. That's pretty impressive numbers. What do you think? Well, it's, it's a cash flow story, Frank, and, and that's really what it was when the stock was 350. And, and despite all the sadness and the tragedy around these Max 7 crashes, that hasn't really been what's derailed the company. And COVID derailed the company. And if you listen to the November order book update, uh, not only were there you know, 15 more planes than a year ago, but 787s, which are their most profitable plane, there was a significant more. So again, the Boeing story is about free cash flow. This MAX certification uh, kind of uh, extension they got in the omnibus bill this week was very good. Um, but remember, this is duopoly. If you think airlines and airline industry is going to reaccelerate, you're owning Boeing. So, Tim, I, I know we're talking about the omnibus bill and, and some of the other tailwinds for this. But in general, this whole MAX story has been pretty troubled. Obviously, it goes all the way back to 2019. We don't have to revisit the tragedy there. But just going forward, um, what do you see as the outlook for Max, especially when it's so important to this company's free cash flow, their targets, and other metrics that are really important to analysts? I think it's really important to all the major airlines as well. They want Boeing to succeed. They have to replace air, aircraft. And, and we know this. And this is what they've all talked about. And, and I, I listen to what United said and what Delta has said specifically. And those are pretty bullish CEOs right now. So, um, again, the, the story for Boeing's share price is not really about the sadness of the Max tragedy. It's really about a company getting back to being a company that's really well run and has 25 to 30 bucks of free cash flow per share, which is what they had, which was a 10% free cash flow yield. I think they're gonna be there in two years. Yeah, Southwest also anticipating a lot of those Maxes. All right, up next here on Fast Money this year, if you bet on, on out of favor energy stocks, beating down industrials or big pharma, you actually hit the jackpot. The question now is, can you let it all ride again in 2023? We'll pull our pit bosses after the break and later. It's been a bruising ride for those Tesla bulls lately, but for those holding out hope for a comeback, there's some options action betting the stock could get a bit of its charge back. Fast money, back in two minutes. Stay with us. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Another check on the markets today. Stocks higher for a second day in a row. The Dow rallying 526 points or more than 1.5%. The S&P and the NASDAQ also posting strong gains. Under Armour lower after hours on a new CEO announcement. The company hiring Marriott President Stephanie Lennard to replace Colin Brown, who's had that role since June. Under Armour shares there off more than 50% so far this year. Karen, this one caught your attention. Yeah, it did. I think that, you know, Kevin Plank was the, the founder or co-founder and uh, is obviously a very sort of big presence there. And it seems like that is going to be somewhat of a partnership um, with Lenart's new uh, CEO. That historically has been a difficult 
combination of having, you know, Steve Jobs and John Scully and Schultz and um, jo uh, Sandy Weil and John Reed. So it's difficult. So, I mean, they obviously have a lot of work to do. Nike News hopefully is good for them. But uh, I think it would probably be better if she were there alone. All right. There we go. Moving on, there are just six trading days left in 2022. And one of the questions we have is, can some of this year's big winners just keep on winning in 2023? It's time for a holiday twist on America's Fast Market Game Show. Oh, there's no, there's no sound on the animation? No, just, uh, just rapid or scrap it. All right. Well, that's yeah. it. Rapid or scrap it. It's the close cousin <laughs> of traded or fair. I was waiting for something. All right, let's get right to it. We start with ExxonMobil. It's one of the S&P's top performers up 77% this year. Dan, rapid or scrap it? I'm scrapping it. And listen, this is a huge component of the XLE. And again, it's kind of pulled back a little bit as crude oil is pulled back. I'm just not a fan of kind of riding these winners into the new year. They've been great winners, and they might continue, but it's not for me. All right, we got sound effects, though. Uh, Tim. Yeah, those were some sad children uh, hearing Dan scrap it. I'm wrapping it, and, and I'm wrapping it not on an oil price. Again, I invest in energy companies uh, around, how, yes, how well they're run, and I think about uh, where Exxon you know, pays their dividend at $40 oil uh, and clears the rest. Obviously, CapEx down and in line. Uh, I think energy companies are re-rating, and their weightings in the S&P go higher. All right, next up, a big pharma play. Merck trading around 52-week highs. Karen, wrap it or scrap it? Rapid. I mean, if you went home long at which I did, it's the same as wrapping it. So I like this one. It's obviously had a very good year, but I still think the valuation's attractive. And so I'm hanging on to it. <laughs> Dan? Uh, great year. As Karen said, it's on a runaway breakout. It's trading at an all-time high. The valuation is probably kind of pushing some of its kind of historical um, expensiveness here. So I just don't think you buy a name like this in the new year. Let it pull back to that breakout level, and then maybe reload. Damn, why do you like to see kids sad? Come on. Scrap it. All right, let's look at heavy equipment maker Deer. The stock <laughs> up almost 30% this year. The stock bouncing back from a revenue miss earlier this year. Guy, wrap it or scrap it? Scrap it, and I'll give time for the uh, audio. <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with valuation. It's very reasonable, but the stock has rallied 50-50% since June. It's trading up against levels we last saw in March. Bit of a double top. If the broader market's going to roll over like I think it will, deer won't be spared. Scrap it. Karen? Yeah, you know, this is a tough one for the reasons Guy said. It's not crazy expensive, so I'm going to break the rules a little. I'm going to re-gift this one to someone else. Oh. I don't have it. Is, is there a sound effect for that? Oh. I think, that, I think that just went down as I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, Las Vegas Sands up 25% this year. The casino stock has a big footprint in Asia where COVID is spreading. Tim, wrap it or scrap it? Uh, by the way, I know who those cute children are, Maurice, uh, and, and that's right. They are cute. <laughs> I'm going to wrap this one, and I'm going to tell you that Las Vegas Sands is, is going to be a bigger gift than it was in 22 and 23. The, the concession renewals is very important. They've got a massive real estate position. They are reinvesting in the economy there. Uh, the fact that the, the China COVID rules are easing, et cetera. Most importantly, the valuation here, you're stealing this company down two-thirds on its EBITDA multiple. Look at that. Uncle Tim loves the kids. Guy, over to you. <laughs> As do I. Wrap it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> little delay there. Now, Tim, I mean, it's a valuation. It really comes down to valuation. And at some point, obviously, China, the zero COVID is going to go away. That's what you've been waiting for. In the meantime, 
both win and Las Vegas Sands has been doing dance to the upside. So I think you stay with the casino, specifically LVS. All right, there we go. Rapid or scrap it. Great sound effects. All right, coming up, Tesla stock almost rebounding after yesterday's big sell-off. And one options trader is betting a bullish move is just around the corner. More fast money back in minutes. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla unable to hold on to some early gains, falling for the fourth day in a row. But despite that weakness, one options trader is making a big bet that Tesla can rebound into 2023. And guess who it is? Dan Nathan sitting right next to me. Dan. Yeah, I'm not the trader who made the bet, but I get what's going on here. Again, the stock is down, what, 67% from its all-time highs made just 13 months ago. Uh, total options volume is about 1.3 times average daily volume and and volume in the weekly 140 calls and the 135 puts was just kind of off the charts but there was one trade that really caught my eye it was a trader rolling down and out they had already owned a big block of the january 166.67 calls they sold 12,500 to close at three dollars and five cents and they used some of the proceeds to buy 12,500 of the february 160 calls paying 835 that is a net debit of 530 about six and a half million dollars in premium and that trade breaks even if tesla shares on february expiration are above basically 165 30 about 20 percent from here and again this stock has massively underperformed the broad market it keeps making new lows every day even a day like today when we see a market up one and a half percent this thing can't even close higher so this trader defining their risk they had a previous bullish position they're rolling it down in strikes but out a little bit in duration playing for a move back above 165 in the next two months all right, sorry I mixed that up. You got to remember, I don't write this stuff. Beyonce doesn't write all her stuff. No, I'm reading doesn't. off the prompter. Yeah. All right, guy, you go ahead you, let's, and uh, trade it. Wait, Beyonce doesn't write her own stuff. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> next thing you can tell me there isn't a Santa Claus. Neither the Stones. Let me just give Either. you. A... No, so listen, I I think Dan would say you don't press shorts like this with the move we've seen to the downside. In the last couple of days, we've seen some incredible volume in Tesla which suggests to me at least short-term capitulation. So I actually think the stock, the next 12 to 15% in the stock, I think is going to be higher before it continues its path lower. So I like this trade. I think it probably does pop in the short term. So, Guy, let me ask you really quick, and either anybody can jump in on this one. Um, the Tesla Model Y, Model 3, available for those tax credits with the Inflation Reduction Act starting in January. How big of a story or a tailwind is this potentially for the stock? I don't know who's that. I think who Elon that's and going Twitter's to. bigger um, story. Yeah. You think so, Karen? Exactly Just him right. getting out of Twitter, potentially getting I a do. different CEO? I mean, yeah, the sentiment around him and, and the distraction and the provocation, uh, I think that's, that's part of the story. But I agree with Guy and Dan that it's, this is due for a bounce. This has been an enormous downtrend. And even though it may still be in a downtrend, this is just, I think, so bad it's good. We need the rapid sound effect right now. Everybody's agreeing. All right, for more options action, be sure to tune in to the full show Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to be there. Still to come, could a Netflix sequel be better than the original? The street giving the stock more positive reviews despite lackluster performance from its ad-supported pricing tier. We'll have our own screening after this. Stay with us. And welcome back to Fast Money. Netflix streaming higher, up more than 3% today. Evercore's Mark Mahaney naming the streamer a top pick for 2023 with a 340 buck price target on the stock. Tim, what's your take? 
Well, my view is there's been some disappointment on the AVOD, and I, I think until you, you square away the password crackdown, you're not going to see any major migration over to the ad-supported model. Um, I think the valuation is very interesting. I think profitability Netflix is finally something that you can actually hang your hat on. And I think uh, the turn both in consensus upgrades and, and where the street is on this is exactly where Mark is. And I, I, I like it. Dan, a lot of uh, disappointment, I guess, in the ad-supported tier? Yeah, so early. I mean, they ran, they ran, you know, they rolled this out so quickly. And I think if you think about the secular like trends towards what they're doing, but the near term headwinds about it, I think the stocks rally of like 75% off the lows creates a situation where you're going to be disappointed by this. But I think this is going to be a story that probably unfolds and is probably a pillar of the bull case in 2023. And I know Mark Mahaney was all over this. So um, I kind of like this call. I'd like to see this stock pull back before you got long for, let's say, a 2023 rally. All right, certainly something to watch. Coming up next here on Fast Money, your final trade. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. It's time now for final trades. Let's go around the horn. Dan Nathan, you're up first. Yeah, you know, this is the time of year to start thinking about what could work next year. Expedia looks like it's discounting a lot of bad news. It's trading about nine times earnings. It's trading at like a crazy multiple of sales. It just feels really kind of cheap to me, trading near 52-week lows. So Expedia could be Guy Dami. I'm really upset about this Beyonce stuff. You're telling me she doesn't write her own music. Then you tell me the Rolling Stones don't write their own music. I thought Jagger and Richards, like the great singer-songwriters of all time. You're really bumming me out tonight. But what's making me happy is the people at the Grasshopper in Morristown watching Fast Money and Las Vegas Sands, which I think will continue to go higher. Wow, shout-outs. Karen. Yeah, uh, thanks, Frank, for being here. You know, I find myself in the unusual position today of agreeing with pretty much every single word that came out of Dan's mouth. It's highly unusual. I usually don't even agree with any of the words that come out of Dan's mouth. But um, so Netflix, my final trade is sell some uptight calls. It's had a great run, probably pulls back some. Tim, final word. Frank, thanks for joining us. Puns and all. Uh, back to Boeing. Let's wrap this one. I, I think you've got a lot of room in this chart up to 220. I think it's one of the best charts out there. Uh, and I think you can stay in this trade. All right. Thanks for watching Mad Money. I mean, excuse me, Fast Money. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.